0: What is up, guys, and welcome to another episode of the Crypto Entrepreneurs Podcast. As always, it's your host, Charles. Today we've got another exciting episode for you. Uh, I think I got the video quality problem that I was having figured out. So this video should be much more clear if you're watching on YouTube. I apologize for the last couple. Unfortunately, I was listening to it back and it sounds like the audio is a little bit off. I think my laptop was picking up the audio versus my microphone. Uh, so bear with me for the first, I'd say, five minutes of audio on that guy. Uh, it sounds pretty shitty when I first get started. Um, but, you know, don't want that to stop you from watching the episode. Uh, I'm sitting down with Ultra XBT. He's a killer trader. Uh, we talk about his trading strategy, why he is still bullish right now. Uh, and you know, I don't want you to miss it because the quality isn't the greatest. Uh, but before we get into the actual video, talk about a strategy, two quick things. You already probably know this because I talk about video quality, but if you're listening to this on any of the podcasting platforms, there's a link in the description below. You can head on over to YouTube, watch it over there. You can see the charts it will make a lot more sense. Uh, And the second thing is I do wanna give a special shout out to the sponsors. Both of these companies are massive. They are leaders of their industry or they're like little subset of the industry. Uh, And I'm eternally grateful for working with these guys and that they reached out and wanted to work with me. The first longer term stuff, had them on as a sponsor for I think three months now. As crypto.com, every single week they've got new updates for me. Uh, and it's really insane I try to keep up with them uh, this week there's a few that I want to discuss uh, their non-custodial wallet just just got dropped uh, we talk about owning your own keys not your keys not your coins uh, and this is a big step so that's the biggest thing uh, they did also have that ICX sale through the syndicate do you want to mention that uh, if you missed it it's unfortunate but, Through their program, Crypto Earn, if you're staking your ICX or holding your ICX on the exchange, you can earn 14% interest annually. uh, And that's through their program, Crypto Earn. And then I'm sure you guys have heard me talk about the MCO Visa credit card. Used to go off about it a lot. Still think it's one of the coolest things about this company. But they just got the green light for Canada. So if you're Canadian, have been waiting for this or wanting to check it out, There will be some sort of progress in the near future. Uh, There's a link for all of that stuff. you want to go check any of it out, there's a link in the description below. And then the second company, these guys are newer. It hasn't even been a month yet, uh, but it's CoinFlip. It's a Bitcoin or crypto ATM company. They're actually the third largest by number of machines, and they were first largest by volume. I haven't kept up on if that has stuck around, if they're still number one. Uh, not much data out there, but from when we last talked, they're number one by volume. Uh, These machines are everywhere. Uh, And two quick announcements for these guys. Just this month, their OTC desk launched. They have super low minimums. It's only a five grand minimum. Uh, So for anyone who's interested in buying some Bitcoin OTC, you should reach out, get in contact with their desk, go through that process. It's really cool. Even if this isn't like your go-to thing, if you're looking to buy Five grand worth of Bitcoin might be the way to go. Their fees are extremely low. And the second thing, because I love all of you, I got hooked up with a discount code. So if you are going to be out there using one of these machines, if you punch in the code CHARLES, you will get 20% off on fees. Uh, This is good for, I think, the first 25 uses or something like that. Uh, So if you're out and about, you've heard this. Can punch in Charles, get discount on your fees. Uh and now again, I always have to apologize because these guys have so much going on and it takes five minutes for me to get through all of it. But let's get into that episode with Ultra XBT and talk about why he is still bullish. Perfect. All right, so sitting down with Ultra XBT. Uh that's your Twitter handle, right? It's just straight Ultra X XBT. Is there any underscores? Sorry, I can't remember.
1: No, yeah, it's just Ultra XBT.
0: There we go, perfect. Sorry, I'm still waking up from a nap. Uh, we talked earlier, it sounded like you were just getting up from one as well. So It sounds like we're doing well in life. Um, but okay, I'm looking at your, your chart that you've got up here. Looks like a lot's going on. Before we get into kind of your trading strategy, what you're looking at on a day-to-day basis, can you just give us some quick background on yourself what you were doing before you started trading Bitcoin, that kind of jazz so my audience knows who you are.
1: Yeah. So I'm a grad student and I have uh, you know, been into Bitcoin and, and particularly more so into Ethereum and, um, you know, dApps and uh, that technology um, for a long time, for a while. Uh, but I, I didn't really start trading it um, until, you know, 2017. I was doing spot trading. And then uh, in 2019, well, actually in 2018 I discovered BitMEX, but I didn't I didn't wield that I didn't pull the sword from the stone. Um, I didn't pull the sword from the stone until uh, 2019 when I I saw this giant you know ascending triangle that that we have um, over here, and I, I longed it. This is right here is where I, the first taste is always free, right? And uh, this right here is where I started BitMEX, and it was you know, uh, made me feel like I was really smart. Right. Cause I was like, Oh yeah, I did it. I a hundred X longed it right here and, and that was fine. And, and it Chad candled, Um, but then, you know, I gave back most of my profits and this, uh, you know, big distribution pattern here and stuff. And, um, essentially I, I, uh, learned by repeated full account liquidation. So <laughs> <laughs> oh, that I was hate, hate to hear it. Yeah. So that's the tuition or, you know, whatever you want to call it. Um, because from the get go, uh, you know, I got on Twitter and I'd been trading Forex and stuff and I'd been like mostly a pattern trader. And then I started following made Majin, So he was, uh, you know, definitely an influence. I guess you can probably see on my tweets. I'm pretty hyped sometimes. <laughs> um, he definitely influenced my, uh, view of the markets when he was back before he got all into options and whatever the hell he's doing now, he was a uh, very liquidity minded. And, um, really what it all comes down to is liquidity. And that's really just, that's all that matters. Um, and that's what, you know, Wickoff is, is getting at in a certain ex- to a certain extent. And that's, uh, that, that's the demand the behind the curtain. Like, you know, you can look at whatever indicators you want. Uh, you can look at RSI being oversold. You can look at your, all your meme indicators, meme indicators, you can look at MACD cross on the 72 minute. Like, great, that might work. And that might be a strategy that works. But when it comes down to it, all that matters is liquidity. And that, that means all that matters is price and volume. Um, and so I really only use that. I mean, I'll use like, sometimes I'll use uh, the meme indicators to um, try to see who's getting blown out. Because my whole goal is to is determine where the, it is with coffee and in nature, although I've never read Wickoff, I've read a price volume analysis, that book by whoever the hell wrote it, that's like the big Forex book that everybody talks about. Um, but I did that back in the day. And most of it's just been me just uh like I said, just pure classical conditioning you know the, the ringing the bell the bell ring is my my liquidation emails okay and it it conditioned me to uh to be able to to understand and and you know it really just if you get um liquidated enough times you uh you start to realize how important entry is and and once you get the entry in, then you start to realize how important risk management is and then from there you can actually you, know, you can move on i just lost. Uh, you know, countless hundred dollar deposits in that first six month phase or whatever, you know. Since then I've I've started to get more into risk management. It's it's actually made me like an actual like trader instead of a a pure gambler. You know, trading is inherently, you know, you guess you're gambling a little bit, no matter what. Um, but it's it's calculated risk. Um so anyways, it's all in the one minute, right? That's when you pull the curtain back and that that's what I do and that's what I'm kind of famous for not maybe famous for, but notorious for, I don't think many people like it, but oh, we um, got to
0: slow, we got to slow down a little bit here because you're, you're jumping the gun just a little bit too much. Just wanted to get some very quick background on you before going into the full trading. Um, sorry to cut you off there, but try no, to just take things a little sorry. bit slow. you uh, your you even your interview style matches your tweets very much in that you're hyped. You're ready to go. Yeah. Um, I'm going to try to, I, this is what I kind of try to do because, you know, I, I wouldn't say, you you, you mentioned liquidity. Uh, and I actually just had a talk with Young Talopa, I think it was two, three days ago, dropped this morning. Uh, I was big on liquidity and that's a huge part of his trading strategy. And I struggled through that episode. So I'm going to need you to take over the, the kind of interview in a second. Um, but before then, so you said you had been buying spot or trading spot for a little while at least wasn't until 2018 and 2019 or i guess 2018 that you learned about bitmex 2019 is when you kind of started to pay the price for learning about bitmex and getting on there (laughs) um and you said that it was multiple full accounts blown um i i think everyone goes through it at one point or another if they do start to take their trading seriously you're going to blow a full account. It's bound to happen. Um, How long did it kind of take you to realize that you need to start managing this risk a little bit better? Because if you're just blowing accounts left and right, yes, you are going to have those big winners every now and again. Uh, But I I don't think it's a profitable strategy just to hop on there, the gen long or short with high leverage, um, especially from the beginning until you've kind of honed your skills. So How did that kind of come about? How did you start to say that, hey, I need to start managing my risk a little bit better?
1: I don't know. I guess it took maybe uh, like 200 emails, (laughs) something like that.
0: Okay, It took like a lot. Um, Okay. So this was was gambling at the beginning. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, definitely. Okay.
1: Well, like, you know, like the sophisticated kind. (laughs) Yeah,
0: yeah. White collar, you know. You're not sitting in the casino smoking cigarettes with all the rest of the, the degenerates. You're at home, you're telling people you're a day trader. Love to hear it. Um, but okay, let's, let's circle back, I guess. From the start, has it always been, you know, have you always been trying to analyze liquidity and take advantage of it to trade, or has this been something that you've developed over time?
1: So from the start, um, I was just trading on Kraken and um you know they only had 5x and so it was really forgiving and then i switched to bitmex um when i realized you know right around here this area i caught basically i caught this this candle here and it it got me hooked on bitmex right like hooked on phonics or something and i was you know hooked all the way up but um i didn't start with liquidity i started with pattern trading but pattern trading is a form of liquidity trading um but i didn't realize the underlying uh mechanism that that was that was making it work sometimes um and so you know i got on twitter and i got on um a bunch of other you know uh, informational sites i started to actually learn you know i didn't know how the hell it worked a lot of the for the most of it like i didn't understand the limit orders um and you know how hard it is to get filled when you're you're big and um you know i didn't i didn't understand the the mechanisms that are required to understand the game theory of of liquidity and that's that's what my Analysis that I try to do is is a is a liquidity game theory type of analysis.
0: So, okay. And before that, you're, when you're talking, you know, you're just charting patterns. Were you just kind of drawing wedges on charts and uh, looking for like bull flags, bear flags, that sort of stuff? Like, was it those classic kind of patterns, yeah. rising wedge, descending triangles, that kind of stuff that you were looking at, or or was there something else to it?
1: No, that that is what I was looking at. Um, okay. It's basically just a forex, like a forex approach, the classic, yeah, Lambo profile picture approach. <laughs> yeah,
0: very very simple. And you know, it's it's crazy because it, it's the kind of go to for everyone who starts, who just has no idea what's going on. You've seen these chart patterns thrown around so often, uh, but there is a reason that they work. And there's kind of the reasoning behind it that you can start to investigate a lot further and you're right in saying that liquidity does play a huge role in kind of how some of these patterns are formed Uh, so where what was the transition there you know from drawing triangles on a chart how did you kind of get to where you're at now
1: well i kind of realized that sometimes they were being respected a lot of times in a row so like there were times here where like Bull flags would just always break up. Like all through like here on low time frames, which we're on the four hour right now, but on low time frames, bull flags are just always breaking upwards. And so every time I saw one, I was like, oh great, that's a bull flag. You just have to simply long it. You just simply hit the one hundred X button and then it starts printing you money. Um, but then there's periods of time where it goes to this sideways chop and it starts painting those very same patterns but then it blows them out. And it paints that same pattern and it blows them out. It paints the same pattern and blows them out. And I realized, well why are there periods of time where those patterns work, and why are those periods of time where those patterns are almost universally getting blown out? And what's causing it to change from one to the other, and why um, does it need to change from one to the other? And that, that's when I started to realize the the fractalized nature of market cycles and um, how liquidity generation works to prey on um, what the, the the common investor thinks is a strong investment on um, you know low time frames. So how are the, these hundred X traders being used for liquidity and how is that being used to inject more capital into the market, which in turn is is over the long term is is raising the market cap of the asset if um, it's moving to you know bigger players that are, are looking to accumulate supply and, and be able to control the price better. So that was the start of it, if that makes sense.
0: Yeah, it completely does. So now can I, I hated to hold you uh, we can cut you loose now. So you were, you had mentioned really quick before I cut you off that you were looking at very low time frames. Are you are you talking lower time frames, higher leverage? Is that where you've kind of where you're at today, or what's what's the yeah. uh, what's the trading so, strategy today?
1: The trading strategy today is I risk five percent per uh, trade, and which is which is high, but I have a good strike rate, so I'm right around like between forty and sixty percent, depending on the month but my, uh, my stop loss is always $50 away. And so my, I basically, I, I go in the morning and this you how know, so I do it. In my discord too, because I know deep down that people are going to say that they're going to manage their risk, but half the people are, are not. <laughs> um, so I try to make it to where it's very easy to manage risk, um, take away all the barriers to it. Cause I know that if I was in their position a year and a half ago and I was still, you know, had the Lambo vision, um, and thought I could just 100x three times and had done that math 10 different times to help me sleep at night that all takes is another three times 100x's in a row or whatever. Um, I know how it is. And so I made it really easy. And I have a, you know, we use a basic position calculator. And each morning, we just, uh, you put in your account, your current account value, and you put in $50 below. And um, sometimes I do either $50 or $100 stop losses. So basically, I do stop losses that, um, you know, since they're predictable, you already know your position size. So if you get FOMO and want to enter instead of you just slamming a random number in. you you've already got your position size for the day and you you type that number in and, and enter. Um, so that's that's helped me as well. Um, it's an approach that helps me to, um, to manage risk and not over risk um, because I already know what I'm going to what I'm going to type in and I already know what what it is and, and if you can't have a $50 stop loss when you're scalping which what I mostly do is scalps and I'll uh, just move the stop loss up to invalidation points. So manually, like manually trail stop loss to you know, below the invalidation points to lock in profits or, or lock in some uh, of the R or whatever. Um, so anyways, sometimes I'll let it turn into a swing. If it, if, it was, if, it, if, I, if it was in a zone that I thought was a bottom and we clear out of it and we get into a, above another key level, sometimes I'll just let it run. Um, and that's where I get to really high R trades. But other than that, um, you know, it's typically a 5R trade or something like that with a decent strike rate.
0: There we go. Um, so really quickly, we're still looking at the four hour here. Is there a specific time frame? You, you don't need to change it to anything. I'm just asking, uh, is there a specific time frame that when you're starting out before kind of letting these longs or shorts run, is there somewhere that you kind of start out with um, when looking at the charts? You know you the one, the five, 15, one hour, four hour. Where, where do you start when you kind of sit down at your computer to trade during, during any given day?
1: Well, now that my chart's already made, I literally start at the one minute. Okay. But when I make the chart, I start at the monthly and then I look for consolidation points. So when I'm making a chart, you know, I don't buy into, I try not to like listen, like I listen to the memes of of how to do stuff, but I try not to like, I try to still like objectively approach it. Um, And so, you know, when I'm making a chart, I don't care about open, high, low or close when I'm connecting trend lines. I don't, it doesn't matter to me at all. Um, What matters is that there was consolidation around that trend line. I just want proof that the trend line was a level like right here, for example, on the four hour, like we hit it, we went over it, you know, sometimes the open and close aren't exactly on it, but like clearly there's some type of level here and it's clearly going down and you know, we're hitting it with the highs here, here we're hitting it with the closes here, we're breaking through it and they're doing some like liquidity grabbing here where it's like, you know, you pump it over and then when it goes under, you get people to buy and eventually you sell it down to get sell pressure. All that I care about is that there's consolidation around the trend line. I don't care about any of the other crap. So I go to the high timeframes. I chart it to where you know I'm hitting either a high, a low, an open, or a close. I'm hitting some part of a candle, and it's hitting the most of that part of the candle um, that I can. So like on like a you know a weekly or something like that. I just want to see it like um, you know I want to see it be a level. I want, to, I want to see that it's something that is a level, and then I zoom into the daily and I confirm. Okay yeah, that is a level. It was, it was on the weekly, um, you know, the green line here, like clearly the daily was still defending it. You know, clearly that was a level. And so once I've know, I know that something's a level, then I use that to see what they're doing to those levels. Right. So I, I see that, you know, it's all a meme. That's all the market is. And with this, there's no fundamentals for Bitcoin. I mean, sure. There's like stock to flow or, or hash rate or whatever the hell you want to, but like, come on, it's, it's all just big players accumulating and uh, using that accumulation of, of the asset to drive price. And, um, you know, you drive price through a mixture of um, spot exchanges and derivatives exchanges. So when BitMix came out, um, you know, over here, you were able to accumulate and then from then, you were able to use, um, no matter long or short, you were able to use it to accumulate more. So, you know, I tweeted the other day, I was like, um, you know, supply, supply and demand doesn't matter, supply matters when you're controlling price. And, you know, what I meant by that is that you know, anybody can go and get Tether. If you have enough capital, you can go and get Tether, and you can use it to buy Bitcoin. The problem is, when you buy Bitcoin, inherently you're soaking up some of the sell pressure. So you don't want to soak up all that sell pressure while you're still buying Bitcoin, because then when you soak it up, you start to you start to pump. So you want to have your average entry below where the pumping starts, right? Um, so that's that's the essence of of the the game theory of it is is um, who's accumulating. Cause accumulation is the most important. It's the toughest to do. Um, and, uh, what's, what's the game plan, you know, what's the macro game plan and what's the, the short term game plan. And so I look at a chart like this, I make a chart like this and then I just start zooming in. You know, I don't use a six, I use a four hour. I confirm the chart there. Like I said, I've already confirmed. I, I like where my lines are now. Um, and I'll use horizontals I'll use trend lines and I'll use, uh, I'll use MAs, you know, I'll use basic moving averages. Like, just the basics I'll use. Um, this lets me set whatever I want um, on any time frame, but I'll use those too, just because they're memes and all I care about is market memes, because all it's don't, all it's happening in my opinion is the market memes are, you know, you know, traveling through the market and it's what people use. Just like, you know, uh, six months ago, everybody was talking about spoofy on the order books. I was like, you can't trust the order books. Now everybody uses heat maps. And it's like, okay. So that means that, you know, these, the memetics of the market is evolving. And um, soon that'll be exploited and heat maps in particular. It's free. Costs nothing. That's why I like the one minute chart. It costs money to paint this. This all costs money. Let's get the volume on it. If you want this to look a certain way, you got to pay for it. You don't have to pay for the order books. It costs nothing. It's a free manipulation. (laughs) It's completely free. Anybody can just throw you can throw 10 Bitcoin on and put a thousand Bitcoin you know, whatever, I don't know what their margin limits are or whatever, but theoretically thousand Bitcoin buy wall, you know, hundred dollars below price. And then great. We painted the heat map completely free. You can just pull that limit order later. Didn't cost you anything. I don't care about the heat maps at all. The heat maps mean nothing to me. What I care about is this right here. And, um, and what this right here is, is investment into the chart. And so I'll look at the one minute and I'll see how it's respecting lines. And also look at the general structure of the PA. Um, and try to see if it's distributive. You know, you look for running flats like this, and you look for the um, running flats like this, and you try to try to find periods of of when it's going to, um, you know, be going into these kind of miniature markup cycles for smaller scalps. And then on the bigger time frame, you want to look at um, every time a bigger candle's closing, like um, you know, in five minutes, the thirty minute candle closes, right? So, or it, as well as the fifteen minute candle, of course. So you'd want to be looking at. Um, What's happening at the very end of the candle? Like, is the very end of the candle being made to look bullish? Um, Because a lot of the times, what you'll see is like for the first 14 minutes of a candle, it looks bearish, and it's like, oh, this candle sucks. And then literally the last minute, they're like, psych, we're just going to move all the cell walls away, and we're just going to pump this Ponzi up. And the last one-minute candle is this huge chad candle. All of a sudden, the 15-minute looks great. And uh, you know what what they're doing is they're making sure that it looks as ugly as possible um, to bait as many shorts as possible. Um, for as long as it can so sometimes it'll look really ugly on the one minute um, and then all of a sudden it'll just you know kind of chat pump um and so you have to watch all the time frames because you want to be seeing what the memetics is and that's why occasionally like i'll pull up rsi like occasionally mostly i just follow people that are like div traders and like i have them like on lists and stuff and i like see what they're doing just because i don't want to deal with it and it's like okay cool the rsi has a div now so like that's one of the memes right now so you know it's it's important because it's important. It's not important for any other reason, in my opinion. The RSI doesn't matter except for that people think it does. If that makes sense.
0: It does. Can This gets talked about a lot on Twitter is that, you know, there's these flavor of the month indicators. And because so many people are looking at them or using them, they start to have effects on the market. I don't think that this is necessarily going to be the case going forward. I think as we kind of mature, things will start to play out a little bit differently. Uh, you won't have these very basic, I guess, indicators kind of having any effect on the market uh, due to its size. But can we kind of, you went over a lot there. Um, Sorry. No, 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 no. No, this is, I told you, this is why I wanted to let you run, get as much of it as possible. But I do want to kind of go over a couple things if possible. Um, yeah, reel me in. Yeah, no, no, no. I, I like it because, <laughs> you know, you went over a lot. Uh, it gives my audience kind of the ability to pick and choose what they take, you know, the value they take from it. So I'm okay with it. Um, I kind of just want to, I guess, I, I don't know how to put this properly, but you got a lot of shit going on on your chart. Like you have lines literally everywhere. Uh, look
1: at them though. They're good
0: though. <laughs> and they I, work. I guess they're. I mean, like.
1: I like, can delete it if you want. No, like, no, no, no. Yeah, this like, is
0: fine. Like, this is what you look at. I want people to understand that this is what you're seeing. And this is kind of see if they can kind of pick up on this. But, like, so many lines. Does it ever get a little bit overwhelming? I personally think that trading trend lines is a little bit of a meme um, in a certain sense. Yes.
1: That's why I use them. Yes, it is a meme.
0: Like, you know, I, I it's the I'm, easiest meme. That's why I, I use them. No, I, to- I, I totally understand that it's just everyone's drawing their trend lines differently. Like we we could see a chart, we could both pull, you know, pull it up, draw our trend lines. They could be close, but they might not be matching. And so I struggle with the idea that you can trade these trend lines, one because everyone's drawn them differently. So you could you could think we're at a top, go high leverage. Everyone else could be drawing their trend lines just a little bit higher, and you're going to get stopped out because of it. And then my second issue with it, I think, the market seems to be a little bit too illiquid. Like you could have these nice this a, a nice channel set up, but one big player can move it down enough to where everyone thinks, all right, this trend or this channel has been broken. So let's go from long to shorting it when in fact it's just a little bit too much money got thrown around. Somebody decided, hey, I wanna make it look like this channel broke. So I I just don't understand how people are able to effectively trade it when the market can be moved so much and these lines can get invalidated very easily. Yeah, so I don't think the
1: the lines aren't hard lines. I don't, I don't consider the lines. I don't use lines for entries. Okay. Um, I'm See, not, I, I know
0: people who do, or at least they say they do. And I think it's a bunch of bullshit.
1: Yeah. Like I, so, you know, eight months ago I was trying that. Um, there you go. And I'm, it's not working for me and it never really did. And occasionally it would, but like it was a low RR. Cause it's, I don't, I just don't believe in predictive trading. Like I'll, occasionally I'll set a limit order if it's like a really key, like, you know, monthly level that I just that's like a horizontal, then I'll set a limit order sometimes, like just some stink bids. But most of the time I'm I'm watching PA like just a lot. Like I'm watching the one minute a lot. And I'm trying to figure out, well, what part of the cycle are we in? Are we about to mark up? Are we about to mark down? Or are we just chopping again? And um, you know, I use the trend lines to see, I think the trend lines are used for liquidity grabs. Just like you said, someone got a little bit, you know, you you characterize it as someone got a little bit too buy happy or sell happy or whatever near the trend line. Um, but you know, I think that they're being used. The trend lines are being used. So you know, you can see here this little purple channel. I mean, it's it's a it's really a big purple channel. Let me zoom out and show the big purple channel really quick. Um, it's right here, and I'm going to delete this little thing because this is just a low time frame I was using for like characterizing the market earlier. Um, so we're in this big purple channel, and we're also in this giant pennant. And uh, you know, right here we're at the midpoint of the pennant. So You know, one thing I I use is and one pattern that does work um, on any time frame, in my opinion, is that whenever there's these giant pennants, the midpoint of it is typically where the POC is or or close to the POC, and it's something that gets defended. So if you've got your um, your if you've got your triangle drawn correctly and you've got the midpoint drawn correctly, um, you're going to line up with the POC usually. And um, you know, I know a lot of people are are super into that. Anyways, that's right, I get the lines. And then once you have the lines, um, you saw it was a huge, this this is the purple channel. I color code them so I know if they're monthly or how big the levels are and I I do the thickness of it based on how big the level is. But I don't trade just predictive on that, right? What I do is I look at how that line's being used. So, you know, we'll scroll back and, and see where, um, you know, like we're, we're getting liquidity grabs around lines, right? So right here it's, uh, you know, we've we've pumped over it and I don't know if it's gonna load this far, I guess we won't load this far back on the one minute, but essentially we were above it and then dipped under it. And they're just dancing around the line for a long time. Under it and all of a sudden really aggressive markup here um, where they were you know, filling their, their bids here and then pump it over, run some stops and then do this final little, You know, this is this pattern you can see like over and over, like they do it right here and then um, you know, they do a little fractalized version right here and they're just, you know, using the uh, the lines that everybody's using in order to extract liquidity from the market, right? So it's all under that basis that um, you know you want to get limit bids filled, and it's particularly true with uh, this market because, like you said, there is lower liquidity. It's tougher to get your limits filled once you get bigger, um, and you got to have strategies to do that. And um, you know, a lot of the times it's bots. A lot of times it's not it's not people. None of this. The big, the big players aren't all manually trading this and just scooting their limit orders around. You know, it's, it's all bots and they're all, um, you know, probably machine learning or uh, neural networking bots that, that are learning based on the market and they might not be optimized to be exploiting human psychology, but they're exploiting human psychology either way because humans are emotional. And what you can do is you can get emotional humans to give you free liquidity. And so there's, there's liquidity bounties. And When you get that free liquidity, you get 0.025% of your investment back. And so not only is there a bounty to make the money on when you can, because, um, you know, if you have enough spot, you can drive price, right? If you have enough spot, you can suppress price. And suppressing price is what, what really matters because anybody can go buy USDT, right? But in order to actually suppress spot price, you have to own Bitcoin already. If you don't already own Bitcoin, good luck getting it without pumping the market on accident and good luck getting enough to get price control without pumping the market on accident, unless you're also using derivatives, right? So you're running these neural networking type bots or whatever type, you know, maybe they're just standard bots. There's some shitty bots out there that probably just use MAs or something, right? You know, they're not shitty. They're they're great. Whatever you did, a good job coding it. But like, it, it might be profitable. But like, they're not they're not on this level. They'll run into liquidity
0: they're not high tech.
1: Yeah, and and they'll yeah. run into liquidity eventually issues that that eventually will make it to where they're obsolete. And um, what it, what it comes down to is you're exploiting the psych, the human psychology in order to get the free money, and that's all it is. Up here. If you can get the price up here, it's a bounty. It's just like Suzu was saying like on a tweet about like probably six months ago, and I, I still remember it, and he he was uh, talking about liquidity bounties. I think it, actually it might have been on a podcast' talking about liquidity bounties, and I really uh I like the the, the term bounty because it's what it is it's if you can get price here, um especially if you can get the, the spot price here because it's going to drive mark price and mark price drives liquidations, then uh yeah you'll, you'll you'll get a bounty here and so you know I've got this uh liquidity script, so.
0: So this is what I was trying to get to eventually, because you were going to say you were saying that you know these kind of trend lines are used more as a guide, and you're not actually taking entries based off of them. You are not jumping in and out of trades solely based on them. Uh, And you talked about the fact that liquidity is big when you're trading. So I wanted to see, okay, once we get down to the one minute, what exactly are you looking at to take a trade?
1: So. I'll pull this up when I'm scalping. This is a, a scalping indicator that I use, that I've coded. And it's essentially looking at where the liquidity is. And it doesn't need order books to do that. All it needs is the chart. And all it needs is the uh, average liquidation points across exchanges combined with a, a proprietary, um, you know, bands. These, these bands that are liquidation bands that I have that's based off my liquidity script that, um, that, that, that I have on, on TradingView. And essentially what it's doing is it's buying when it has a, a trend bias here. So, um, like essentially we'll flip red or green. These lines will flip red or green, like green here. And so if it's red, you short and you have a stop above the top. And if it's green, you start buying every time it's green. So you buy here and then you TP here at the red and then, um, you know, you, buy, you buy here and you'd be TPing when it gets up higher. Essentially it's a market making strategy it's designed to get the, uh, the the limit rebates. So, you know, and whenever it turns color, you're supposed to to, um, exit any of the other opposite positions. Anyways, this just shows that what's happening is right here, they're running stops and then they're running stops. And then they're um, getting it, looking kind of like a a curl up and then they're running stops. And then that's all that's happening is it's a lot of stop running. Um, But, you know, I can see a lot of that without the bands. The bands help it be, make it a little easier. Um, but what you look for is there's a lot of patterns on the one minute and um, the patterns can, can kind of tell you what's happening on the higher time frames. Because what's happening is, um, and, you know, I have a theory that the fractals work. There's a reason that the fractals work because, um, you know, there's a lot of fractal traders out there, right? And that, they'll say, oh, you know, this looks just like this four hour chart that I saw one time. And I think the reason that the fractals work is that some people are feeding their bots. So it's hard to get really high frequency data. It's hard to get the really good, the creme de la creme. Of data right and so what you're feeding your bots and these are all you know machine learning or, or whatever they are you know maybe they're not maybe there's some other type of bot but either way what you feed it is what it what it learns right so you have to give it the high quality the um the whole foods organic asparagus water you want that you want to drink that you know you don't want to drink the you know lays potato chips you know dipped in the, in the fun Funny dying different.
0: that you said the asparagus water because I remember when that thing was Yeah, like that was wanna... a thing. For anyone who doesn't know, that was seven dollar water. It was water with a couple pieces of asparagus in it. Um so it's funny that you bring that up. But you're right in saying that they need this creme de la creme, as you were saying.
1: Yeah. And that and that is expensive. You know, you get that that bot version of the asparagus water. It is expensive. And you can go and try to like, you know, I'm working on a on some stuff right now and I was looking at data and it's really expensive and you can't ever get the one minute data. Like that goes back further than like a month without paying like, like multiple thousands of dollars. It's it makes sense because it's, you know, that's where the alpha is. But what I think people are doing is they're getting the hourly and the four hour data and um, they're training their bots on that. And then their bots are getting big enough to where they start to actually affect the market. So if the bot's compounding and it's getting big enough and it's able to use both spot and Derivatives eventually the time frames all start to look the same, um, and that's what happens. Like I mean, if you look at the the weekly chart for Bitcoin, it's just doing the same damn thing over and over. If you go to like BLX, like it just always does the same damn thing, like over and over and over and over and over. Like I'm not using the log chart. I don't believe in log charts. Um, so there we we do something looks like 2017. Nope, we do something looks like 2017. Up, nope, we do something looks like that. It's always just the same damn thing over and over. And what I think they're doing is they're feeding it high time frame data and then um it's it's they're creating liquidity issues for themselves that cause the fractals so i do believe in fractals to a certain extent um it's a little bit tangential but this type of stuff happens on higher time frames too so you're looking at whether or not you're looking at the one minute because anything higher than that basically if you're using the four hour what you're doing is you're decreasing the amount of information that you're getting which is helpful sometimes if you get overwhelmed um but like you are decreasing the info that you're getting. That's what's happening. Um, you're, instead of getting, you know, 60 pieces of data, OHLC data, you're getting one piece of OHLC data for, per hour or, or whatever. Um, and so I use OneMin because it's more data and because you can also see behind the curtain a little bit. The one second is a little bit too much noise for me. Um, it's a lot of noise. <laughs> you know, it's, it's a lot. You know, if it's really bullish, you know, I know that people have some experience with it it working. Um, But like, for example, what you'll you'll see is you can see these bots, there's distribution bots and there's accumulation bots. And, you know, it sounds like a conspiracy theory or something and it is, and it's just one of the ones that's like kind of true. So um, like right here, like that looks like bear botting to me. Like, it just looks like, it just looks really bearish. And this is where I I cut a position here and post in Discord. And I was like, I just hate it. Like, I don't want to be like, I just don't like it anymore. (laughs) I don't like, I don't want to be in it. I hate Bitcoin. Get me out, you know? And what was happening was I was looking at it and you're looking at volume and they're making it, you know, pump up. And then it's just kind of like just running into a wall. It just repeatedly just keeps like running into these running flat walls and you can watch it. What I'll do is I'll literally watch it as the candles flicker and I don't watch on BitMEX or anything like that. I can't handle the casino flashes of the order books. I don't like it. What I like to watch is I watch this, can, this volume candle go up and I like to see whether it's going up at the top of this running flat or at the bottom of this running flat. So I wanna see, is it bids filling or longs filling? Um, if that makes sense. Because if it's going up and it's, if this goes up and this hasn't moved and it's just staying at the top of this 50, you know, the, it's a tick, right? It's 50 or 50 cents tick. And so um, we don't know what's happening between that bit, but what's happening here is that the candle is not flashing downwards. So that means it must be buy pressure being absorbed. Right. So I watch what's happening when the volume's doing that. It's it's very manual process. It's looking kind of labor intensive. Um, but here it's just doing this like little little swoop up on low volume and then running into walls and then swooping down and then running into these running flats, and just never really like it. Just looks ugly. Like whenever you see it do this right here, it's just ugly. And it looks like someone's trying to unwind really aggressively. It looks like someone somewhere realized, oh fuck, I need to unwind like really fast. Um, and, you know, on the opposite chart, you can see it do this like little markup cycle. And, and all it's doing is, I mean, this is, isn't a huge difference here. It's enough to liquidate someone 50X or 100X. Um, you know, down here is, you know, if you shorted this little pump right here, that's 220, 293, you're definitely liquidating 50X there. That's what's happening. You're getting all that liquidity. And then up here, you're, you're trying to get off as much as you can with whatever buy pressure there is and then eventually it just fucking collapses and you run out liquidity and it bounces and it, it just keeps fucking going. And so there's little patterns that you can spot that are pattern trading does work to a certain extent, but it only works because of liquidity. And so that's part of the, um, the analysis, but you want to be looking at this and seeing, you want to try to determine is there a net filling or a net emptying of bags? Um, and you can use the one minute because it's more data. And at the higher time frames, like I was telling you, the last minute or two minutes of the 15 minute candle can be drastically different. And, um, you know, I don't, it's hard to find examples for that right now because, um, I'd have to be like looking, we'd have to like look at when the 15 minutes was closing and stuff, But, but live, you can see it. And what happens is the last little bit, it'll look bullish all of a sudden, it'll close bullish after being bearish the whole time crap like that. And it happens on all the time frames. It happens on the daily. It happens on the weekly, like the last day of the weekly is interesting to watch. Um, but the whole goal is to be watching all the time frames and figure out, well, what's going to happen next? What's, what's the safest bet for larger macro direction. And I've got a pretty high strike rate on macro direction just because I've been trying to figure out for so long where it's going to blow out, like who it's going to blow out next. And, um, like right here, this period of time. I don't think we can get to it on much lower than like maybe a 15 minute, um, because of the trading view limitations. But that period of time right here was a lot of people were, were shorting this, right? A lot of people were shorting this, and you know maybe rightfully so. Like you know maybe you've got a system that uses RSI or something. The RSI was all help, all kinds of hella oversold or whatever, and like the cloud or whatever the hell. People, you know people people had stuff that works for them, and it was telling them to short, right? But the, the low time frame data was telling me too, too, long heavily, and what it was was a series of springs. So this level, the seventy five hundred level, is a pretty big level. Um, let's look at it really quick. And you know we've pumped over it here, we bounced up against it, and we danced around. We did a liquidity dance type of thing here, where it's faking um, out right above, above and below the trend line. And what it does when it when that happens is is you're shaking out market participants. Right. So you're, you're, you're just getting everybody out until you control that level. Right. And you keep doing it and you keep testing it and testing it until you realize, well, there's no other buy pressure. I get to be all the buy pressure there. Everything else is just sell pressure there. So you can pump, you can drop it there as many times as you want and get as much buy pressure as you were wanting. Cause what you want to do is you want to develop and you know, I have a YouTube video about this, right? I talk about this, but you want to have a net position that is lower than your net exit, your net, net entry that's lower than your net exit. That's all it is. So you use these lines and you, you mark it up and you have to buy on the way up. But mostly you just have to move away. If you have superior supply control, you just have to pull the cell walls um, and let it and, and help, it, help it go up. But you don't have to buy that much, right? So you can still keep your net entry you know, pretty low, right? And then here, it's a reaccumulation phase. And um, at the time, I was bullish here, but I was, I was just bullish kind of blindly here. But in I'm, gonna
0: say, I'm still not understanding because I, I saw you on Twitter. You were bullish this entire move up, every time a new round of people dropped off said, all right, this is kind of the top. let's uh, I'm going back to yeah, this this kind of recent move. Um, I know we were talking about in the past, but like you've been bullish this entire move up, right? And I, I'm just trying to understand because other people dropping off and you're kind of continuing as this lone bull at one point, or with a couple other people, so I I know you say you look at it and it looks looks this looks that I, I just am trying to get Harder something a little bit more I'm trying to get yeah I'm trying to get something a little bit more concrete because I know that for some traders when they sit down they can just look at the chart and they can say this is how it looks to me and I totally get that I'm just trying to see if there's anything more concrete Um you look alpha yeah yeah I mean I'm gonna I'm gonna push and pry and prod until I get. As much out I of you as I can. I want to
1: cut it raw off the block and hand you the alpha. Yeah. <laughs>
0: it's <laughs> so it's just really so, hard so,
1: to explain. You know? No,
0: yeah, and I totally understand that. And I think that a lot of this comes from experience. I'm just trying to see if there's anything maybe a little bit more concrete um, that you've been looking at, especially on this last move up, because I vividly remember you being one of kind of the sole bulls at the top, um, or at least up until this last move um up i would say i don't even i couldn't even tell you what, what dollar value we were at but i think people started to drop off and say hey it looks kind of like a top around 9k ish other people at 7k um there's some people at 6k and up through sorry excuse me 10k you were still saying we're we're riding this up so i'm trying to figure out you know with each move what and were I'm, still at? I'm still bullish
1: i'm still bullish currently all right no, there I'm we still- go
0: see so, yeah you're, you're still green um, so I'm just wondering you know, what it was on kind of each one of these moves. Because you say, you look at it, it looks bullish. Uh, I'm just trying to get a little bit more concrete.
1: So let me start from a high level and then I'll work into a granularity and I'll try to explain it. Okay. So fundamentally, I'm bullish because I think we're going through an um, economic collapse. I think it's the largest one since like 1907. The panic of 1907 when you know, J.P. Morgan had to save the country and start the, start the central bank. Um, and I think that it's going to be different this time, though. I, I think that um, the economic collapse will be an economic collapse of value. It won't be an economic collapse that can be easily measured in USD. You know, if you look at SPX, um, I think SPX is just going to keep kind of pumping. Like it might chop some and, and go down some. I think the bottom's in. But I don't think the value bottom's in on SPX. It's bearish as hell. The value of SPX is bearish as all hell. It's not, the companies aren't worth anything. They're all zombie companies. Why the hell is Bed Bath Beyond even still a thing? It shouldn't be. No one's going to Bed Bath and Beyond. Just go on Amazon like a normal person. It doesn't make any you, sense. You
0: say a normal person. Everyone who's in Bed Bath & Beyond at the moment, I guess no one's there right now because it's closed, but who was there was saying that you guys are the nutcases for buying all of your garbage online and you got to be in the store and it's part of the experience. So you guys are, you guys are the crazies. Um, buying stuff online, but no, I, I I totally understand what you're talking about. You know, a lot of these companies I think are overvalued as all hell. They're dinosaurs. Yeah, they have. And had, we were going to
1: run dinners. into a labor market issue, anyways. Like if you go into any grocery store, you go into you know Walmart or something. Half of it's now self checkout. Almost all of it's self checkout. We're we're cutting. You know, soon we'll have self driving cars. We'll take out. You know, we won't need Uber drivers. We won't need um you know bus drivers. You know, this is something that's going to happen. It's going to happen. And what happened is COVID accelerated this it, it really fast. And so, you know, we've been holding off on this automation. Um, you know, it's, a, it's a similar to the industrial revolution. It's an automation um, revolution. And it's going to cut the labor market. We only need 20-hour work weeks now. And our labor market hasn't realized that yet. But what happened was COVID made us realize it really fast. And um, so that's my macro picture, is that what they're going to have to do is the only way to get out of this, um, we're going through an intense deleveraging event. And now we have tools that we haven't had before. We have a central bank that, um, you know, in the Emperor Palpatine style has said they will do unlimited liquidity. And what that means is to me that we're going to pump this thing and no one's going to realize that we're collapsing and it'll be fine. We're just going to keep pumping the dollar and we're going to have to have UBI. Um, we're currently probably doing a herd immunity plan, um, whether we mean to or not. The you know, U.S. is opening the economy. It's sketch. We're going to have to shut it again soon. Go get you a job and get furloughed now so you can get the sweet, sweet, uh, you know, federal $600 a month furlough check. Um, and that that's my opinion on it. So that's the macro picture is USD is going to not collapse, but we're going to experience hyperinflationary period of 5 to 10% for the next five years or so. And it's in everyone's best interest. Every, all, it's in all the US's best interest because we're in massive amounts of debt to other countries. And during this deleveraging event, we can both um, save, we can both... Ease the pain of this value collapse um, by extracting that value out of all the value we built in USD through like the petrodollar and stuff like that. And that's why the oil collapse is sketchy. You know, petrodollar was really important. And, you know, we're collapsing in oil. We don't need oil anymore. We're not getting that support from the, the petrodollar exchanges, um, exchanging, you know, petro, the dollar being the universal exchange for petroleum and stuff like that. I'm getting a little bit off topic. Basically, hyperinflationary. That's my macro view. And that switched whenever they um, did the you know, I, I talked about it and I had a big thread on Twitter and I was like, well, the only way that's going to make me bullish on this in USD terms is if they start getting money directly to consumers and we stop the trickle down fiction and we start doing a trickle up um, thing. So that, that's my, that's what flipped me. And that was, that happened, you know, somewhere in the six K's is when they finally did
0: that. So and you're like you know, is,
1: very bullish on we're...
0: Bitcoin from that perspective. Does that kind of affect your trading at all? Yes. Okay. Because then I can't
1: trust the chart as much, right? Yeah,
0: you're, you're leaning bullish all the time because you you have this kind of, all of these outside factors that are saying this is super fucking bullish. Like I'm bullish on Bitcoin, 100%. I own a decent amount compared to my net worth of Bitcoin. I'm bullish <laughs> yeah. on it. Like I would yeah. fucking love for it to go up. But I think that when I'm looking at a chart, if I just pull up a chart, I have a harder time saying that, okay, this is bearish because of how bullish I am just on the fundamental side of things.
1: Right, and so the, the, it's, Bitcoin is an asset that's priced in USD when you trade it. And so this blue line here um, is Dixie, which is the dollar strength index. And so as the dollar strength index goes down, Bitcoin inherently goes up. If Bitcoin's at a stable value, you gotta think about value pricing and USD pricing. And that's, that's what the big money is gonna be made over the next you know, five to 10 years is those that can arbitrage value without worrying about USD price um, are the ones that are gonna be able to make a lot of money. You wanna be arbitraging value now. You don't wanna be arbitraging USD. Because um, USD you can't trust anymore and it's a manipulated shit coin. And um, yeah, the fed's, the feds manipulating it. Accept it, that's, that's the way it is. <laughs> um, and so you know, as the dollar's going down, obviously all that we're looking at is Bitcoin divided by the dollar. So if we divide it by something that's getting weaker, the the Bitcoin part goes up, right? So that's just the basics of it. And that's why, you know, when I look at like a, a Dixie chart, um, I do look at Dixie, but I don't use it for like the one minute. I use it for like the four hour. And I look at what I think it's gonna do next. And they're all shit coins. And Dixie is distributing right now in my opinion. And it's gonna dump soon. And when it dumps soon, Bitcoin's gonna go up. So that's part of my analysis just because Bitcoin is priced in USD. So yeah, Bitcoin's gonna go to a hundred thousand but the price of bread's gonna go to you know a piece of... A loaf of Wonder Bread is going to be $14, right? Yeah, that's, see, that, that's, that's my that's biggest awesome.
0: issue. That's the issue that I have is, yes, Bitcoin could go up 10x, but if those dollars that you're holding are worth you know, one-tenth of what they were, the, you're, you're, the value of your Bitcoin hasn't changed. And all these jackasses on Twitter are going to be cheering for the 10x that Bitcoin has done when they're spending, if they're using their Bitcoin, 10x what they had, um or worse, spending to get the same amount of value so eh, that one's a tough one for me but let's let's kind of bring it back to the actual why you were bullish other than the kind of other than fundamental that. side
1: yeah sorry i just wanted to get that out because no really-
0: no I, I appreciate it i'm i'm in the same boat as you and so the more times we say it the more people get hyped on bitcoin the more people buy the bags and pump this shit to the moon yeah pump our so, bags. yeah um, no financial advice here, obviously, for anyone who's listening. Yeah,
1: we want to do financial advice in the Twitch chat.
0: Yeah, exactly. Um, but okay, so let's, let's circle it back. Actually, looking at the chart, what was screaming bullish to you?
1: Okay, so, well, first of all, it's clearly an uptrend after this. We've got a capitulation. You know, I, like Absolutely. I said, I'm not a Wick Off guy, but like Jesus, like, everybody got wiped out on BitMEX. If you were 1X long on BitMEX, you got liquidated. Like 1X longs got liquidated. You're not even degenning. You just decided to long at 1x because it's collateralized in Bitcoin, so 1x is technically a 2x. And if you longed up here, it's 9,000. Well, it went down to 30, you know, 3,000. Like you got liquidated.
0: We were down 50% in a single day. I still think about that day and how fucking wild that is to be down 50% in a single day. Um, Yeah, and
1: that's there was a lot of opportunity there, but of course.
0: I, I didn't buy enough at the bottom. I got paid a little bit at the bottom, which was super fucking cool. I, like, I got paid as we were going down. I was like, oh, fuck, this is not good. Like I'm going to get paid for this podcast from one of the sponsors. Uh, and I was like, fuck, I'm, I'm going to own you know, half of this once it actually gets to me if I'm trying to sell it. Uh, we bounced and within you know, however long it was from the time that it actually got sent to me to where I was able to cash it out, I think we had gone from high 3Ks to like mid 5Ks. And I was like, this is fucking awesome. I'm getting paid next to twice as much as I should be uh, just because of this volatility. So I I got a little bit lucky there. There was a lot of opportunity. Um, I don't know that everybody took advantage of it, but back to what we were talking about, this giant uptrend that we had been in.
1: Yeah, and then we dumped and I did the same thing. I only bought, I bought and got out. I scalped it. Yeah. Just because I, I use no stop losses. I hundred X it literally right here because I saw there was a hundred dollar backwardation and I just exited like right around here and I made a bunch of money, but like um I didn't hold it. And it would have been nice if I did, but I was worried, you know. Um, right? so anyways, I mean you
0: go down fifty percent in a day, you start to think like holy fuck, this thing might actually be going yeah. To zero.
1: Yeah, like you don't know what's like and if they didn't circuit break BitMEX like, who knows? Yeah, so anyways, right. Yeah. Emotions
0: are running high. We we could have dumped much lower. It's it's kind of a gamble at that point.
1: Yeah, but I made like 2,500% on it just because it was a it was 100x at the, at the actual risk profile of a 10x. And so I was like, well, fuck, I can't turn that down. Uh, I did it. But anyway, so we're clearly in an uptrend here, right? We're in this channel and we've broken below it. I guess that's kind of scary or whatever, but we're still like in the tip of this, this triangle and we're on the consolidation point, which is you know what I like to think of as the net entry and exit point um, for this big, giant, you know, huge timeframe triangle that we have. So anyways, um, clearly we're in a uptrend, so I like to I like to try to play the trend. Um, we haven't broken the uptrend yet. There's no confirmation that this is a break of the uptrend. I'm not I don't I'm not convinced by this at all. I think this is probably a liquidity spring, and this actually makes me really bullish. But I think if this was gonna break, um, it would've broken a lot harder if, if it was gonna be like actually breaking. So I believe in a lot of the Wyckoffian principles, um, which is like a spring, because a, a spring, you know what that is, is that we're gonna let that level break and let everybody panic, um, which, you know, a lot of people's level was here, you know, about 58 or something, which is happened to be like where the, the big um, break was before, right? It's like that level was defended a lot. That was a lot of people's level. And a lot of people's level was the 200 weekly. And so, you know, I knew that the 200 weekly, that if we died, the 200 weekly would probably get broken. But that if it got broken and then got bought up, that I was going to be really bullish because that's so much sell pressure getting absorbed. And so, you know, Wickoff was right about some stuff and the springs is one of it. And I think springs work on trend lines because all that springs are, are liquidity grabs. And so I'm not convinced that this right here isn't a spring. You know, my invalidation point is somewhere under eighty five hundred. Um, if we start closing the daily under that, and you know, especially if we start closing under here, I start to get you know more uh, high time frame bearish. Um, I'd probably just sit out. Don't really, you know, I wouldn't have a great entry for a short. But I'm still under the opinion, based on what I've been watching on the low time frames, that this is a reaccumulation phase. Oops, this is a reaccumulation phase that is similar to this period here. So that that's what I think is happening. So let's talk about why I was bullish right here. So outside of the fundamentals um, I was looking at the chart and looking at the one minute chart and I was looking at the 15 minute mostly. And um, what I was noticing is that we had just sprung under this line that we had made. We sprung under it here and then we just ripped. So they, they were able to get a bunch of, of, you know, buy pressure here and then we just started ripping, right? People wanted to get in, people wanted in the market. Um, and You see this right here, so let me just show you some alpha here. It's Consolidation point where someone is getting a net you can see that, uh you can see that little triangle there and you can grab a horizontal and you can extend it out and you can see that it bounced there later, right? But use that as a level later, use it all through here. There's a level, broke it, hopped over the river. It's a, it's a fractalized accumulation. Um, and what's happening is they're compounding here. So what you have to do is if you have enough supply, you can control the spot price, right? And if you control the spot price, you can control the mark price. If you control the mark price, you can control your own liquidation price, right? That's all That's all how it works. And so essentially you can get riskier and riskier on platforms the more control you have over spot price. Um, you can just not have stop losses. You can just let liquidation be your stop loss. You can have a mark price stop loss, something like that, and you can defend it yourself. So your overall leverage doesn't matter as much because they're not going to liquidate you um, if you can control it, right? So you're going in here and you know, you're, you're, they do these uh, patterns where they don't want to keep, you want to keep as much, and this is all theoretical, it's all game theory. But if I, if I was a big guy, if I was a big whale, which I'm not, um, I would want to keep as much of my spot on exchanges as possible, because that's how you control the price, right? So I'd want to be able to take off the BitMEX as much as I can, and so, or BitMEX or whatever exchange, you know, Bybit, That's um, what I use. And I'd want to be able to um, get it off of there as often as possible. And so in order to do that, you want to be able to compound. So you want to be able to take profit, and then you want to be able to get back in, and then take profit, and then get back in, and then take profit, get back in get your net position right. And so that's just making sure that by compounding, you still have control over the derivatives price, but you're not using all of your supply on the derivatives um, exchanges. You're able to keep that on and protect your position there. So anyways, that's part of it. So we finally get, we've been, we did a spring here, a big scary spring and here is where I got worried. I was like, well, actually right, you know, right here, that retest really worried me. I was like, well, we might actually dump. Um, and then I got massively bullish once we reclaimed right here. And I, I was like, okay, I think this is a spring. I think this is a liquidity spring. I think that they just wanted to, to eat more. They wanted to eat more. and it's, it's bullish when the big boys wanna eat. We want the big boys to be eating. We just wanna be taking the crumbs that fall from their plate as the big boys are just feasting, right? They're you know, feasting. And that, that's exactly what I think, that's where I got bullish there. Um, that's where I got bullish again there. I was bullish up to this pump and I caught this pump. here. And then we went into a reaccumulation phase and this was a clean one. This one was clean. This was the helium PA. That's what um, I got that from Majin a long time ago. Um, and that term just makes a lot of sense because it's like, it's just lofty. It's like, oh, oh, it's, it's going to die. It's going to die. Nope, it's not going to die. Oh, it's going to die. Oh, oh, nope, nope. It's fine, it's fine. Oh, it's dying. No, it's fine, it's fine. Oh, the, you know, all the companies collapsing. The world market's going to collapse. Uh, everybody's going to you know, die from COVID. Oh, no, no, it's fine, it's fine. It's going to get absorbed. And that's what's happening over and over. It's a cliff-falling routine and it just can only go up, number only go up. And what this usually means to me is front running. So it means that there are more larger players that are looking to enter the market. So remember that when we dumped that 50, 80% or whatever, a lot of people got wiped out. Their BitMEX accounts and their, their derivatives accounts got wiped, right? And so they have to get back in. And it seems here that this is, this is right after the, um, you know, the big bands being directed, directly deposited into your bank account happened. And um, it seems like people were, were wanting to, big boys wanted to fill. And so I was bullish because we were repeatedly looking like it was going to die and we were repeatedly just not dying. And you could see it on the, I can't, I don't think I can go any lower than the 15, but on the one minute it was doing the same thing where it was like um, the candles would get really emotional. They'd get super emotional. Um, The Binance candles will get really emotional in particular. And they'll just start flickering, flickering back and forth. where The market makers are just stepping aside and letting the, letting it just whip. And, um, and then all of a sudden, there's some type of bot is flipped on some type of bull bot accumulation bot has said okay well this is the amount of cell pressure i wanted and i'm gonna go ahead and eat it now it's time to eat there it is i filled my plate let's eat it and so then when they eat it they push it right back up they do it again it comes back down it looks horrible but wow actually it's a higher low it's not really that bearish when we keep making higher lows um, on a higher time frame and and then you get these these wicks and so i was i was bullish because um we had this huge wick up and it sold down and then it was just fine It was just fine like there's a lot of, you know, this is a compounding pattern right here. You know, we are running the stops and you're able to exit and take profit on your longs and not have to remove your supply from the spot exchanges. And, uh, and then you sell it back down and, you know, it's not bearish. This wick isn't bearish. So that's why I'm not a candle pattern trader only because of the context and what I think the context is was compounding. So anyways, we did it again and again and again. And then pretty soon we just started just doing this thing where like it just can't really go down anymore. And people were just like, just buy walls were just ready. Like, please, like begging, please let me have some liquidity. Like, please don't, oops, please don't soak up all the liquidity. Um, and that that's what it seemed like to me. It seemed like, you know, they were, they were begging, begging to eat more. And so that's bullish
0: in my opinion. There we go. That kind of walks us through your kind of mindset as you were looking at this or going through it, I should say. Um, so that kind of gives us a little bit more concrete detail which I was kind of pushing for, which I I do appreciate. Again, there's just certain things that I think traders, they just say it's by look and by feel at the time. So, you know, there's a lot that goes into trading that gave us some pretty concrete stuff that people can hopefully go and apply or at least try to look for as we're kind of grinding along in the future. Um, so I always like to end, you know, we've been talking for about an hour now. We've got a lot of your trading strategy Uh, We've talked about a lot just with regards to markets in general, as well as a couple different trading strategies, timeframes, yada, yada, yada. Uh, So I generally like to ask two questions to end. The first is, you know, what are you most excited for in the coming 12 months? Uh, We talked about some macro stuff, some fundamental stuff. uh, But is there anything else that you're extremely excited for? I I already see you drawing the arrow just shooting up right now.
1: just had to get that in real quick, yeah.
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah. So I, 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 I'm assuming you're still very bullish. You said you're still very bullish. Uh, are you excited for just number go up? What else is there?
1: Yeah, I mean, I'm excited for number go up. What I'm really excited for is Ethereum more than anything, and I think that Ethereum's underpriced. Um, the each Bitcoin pairing is the most bullish pairing on planet Earth, and it's so clean to trade. And um, but, but what I what I think is that um, Bitcoin is a is a very. Um, I think that they're going to serve different roles. Um, And I think that if we do have a a collapse of fiat and a collapse of the central banking system that, you know, the whole DeFi meme that that everybody makes fun of, I think that'll become a thing. So I'm I'm very bullish on Ethereum and I'm bullish on decentralized autonomous organizations and I'm bullish on smart contracts.
0: I've been Um, dumb bullish on on Ethereum since day one. I think a lot of people do think it's a meme. My my handle used to be Charles the ETH, so. I remember. I remember. I like it. I uh for marketing purposes needed to go with Crypto Charles to kind of capture as many people as possible um and not pick a side in these things. But uh, no, I I'm very bullish on ETH. I've I've been telling people ten K Ethereum for God knows how long.
1: Oh, that's Uh, conservative.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I think I've convinced myself of that. I mean, there was the thirteen dollar Ethereum meme and I was on the other side of that one saying ten K at the time. Um and I, I, I'm still very bullish on Ethereum. So, okay. Bullish on the crypto industry. Can I say that? Bullish on the I, entire crypto industry? Are there specifics? You know, Bitcoin, Ethereum, everything else is garbage. Bitcoin, uh, Ethereum. I, mean, um, I think
1: that smart contracts are going to become a thing and decentralized computing is going to become more important. There we uh, go. So I'm bullish on those. I'm not really bullish on the shit coins, except for I am if like, they look like they're accumulating. So, a lot of the reason that shit coins pump, I think, is just because it's easy to accumulate. And it's yeah. easy to run these cycles, um, but as far as macro bullish, I'm macro bullish on all of crypto, but you know, Bitcoin and Ethereum is what I
0: like the most. There we go, perfect. Okay, so kind of similar boat to me. Uh, I do think other coins and tokens will pump along the way, uh, but you know, that has less to do with the fundamentals of these tokens and coins, more to do with how easy it is to kind of manipulate these markets. I mean, for God's sake, Theta's done a 10x in the last you know, month or two. Uh, Same with T fuel. I think that's what like, it's got something to do with it. An insider trading pump. (laughs) Right. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So like, yeah, there are these kind of fundamental news kind of drops that push price, but I think there's so much else behind it. And the fact that these prices can be manipulated so easily. Uh, So less fundamentally bullish on all of crypto. Uh, But as for Ethereum and Bitcoin, very bullish there. Um, And then I generally like to end with some sort of biggest tip, I would say. Um, So for the brand new traders out there, uh, can you give them your biggest tip? And then for people who have been around for a little bit longer, kind of want to investigate. Again, we we didn't get into it too much. I know we had talked about it. I don't think I poked and prodded as enough enough uh, to get, fully satisfied here, but um, for those guys who are kind of looking to add liquidity um, to their kind of trading arsenal and use liquidity to improve their trading, uh, do you have a tip for them?
1: Yeah. So a general tip is to, uh, is to understand that the market is a meme and to understand that um, those memes, you know, there's alpha decay of those memes and watch which ones are working, which ones are being blown out. That's my general tip. My liquidity tip is to join my liquidity discord <laughs> where I uh, post a bunch of um, educational content. I've got pages and pages and pages of it. And I've got examples where, you know, the one minute I can't really go back on it that far on trading view. Um, but I've got you know, screenshots of it where it's circled and I explain why and what it is and it's free if you use my ref link. So that's uh, that's the best way to go about it. Other than that, if you don't want to use my ref link for whatever weird reason, then you could just watch the one minute and um, try to use game theory to understand why they're filling, um, filling their bags and, and why they're, they're letting their bags off. So that's my
0: general tips. There we go. Appreciate it, man. I appreciate you taking the time. Uh, you know, It's always awesome to have another trader come on, sit down, explain their trading strategy. So again, thank you so much. Really appreciate it. Uh, before we go, is there anything else that you want my audience to know? Um. No, no, I think
1: I've, I've, I've given enough. Okay.
0: (laughs) All right. Perfect, man. Again, thank you so much. Really appreciate it. Yeah. Yeah. It was good talking to you, man.